Football is very much back, and right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, and anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall football in the Premier League, and games are coming pretty much every single day. And the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and, well, you can create your own personalised bet. If you can't watch a game live, then do not worry. The Bet365 Match Live features can be used on the app and you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play or the Apple App Store. Remember, over 18s only and please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to From the Rookerin, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, I'm happy. Over there is Jason. I'm happy. And Mike. I'm dopey, but no, I'm very, very happy. <laughs> still putting the W, uh, still putting the win in whatever it is. Well done, yes, I'm happy. Yes. Yeah, we have uh, just watched Watford 2, Newcastle United 1. And we're going to discuss that game, uh, as well as preview the next game, uh, with our chat with Rashawn Thomas, who is the uh, West Ham correspondent for The Athletic. But that's, that's the next game, and that, that might not really, not, not matter, but this was a win for Watford, and it was the second in a row. There haven't been many cases this season where that's happened, and this could be the win that, well, what it does do, it does make the rest of the season a little bit more comfortable. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be as, as tense. Not comfortable, not, not perfect. <laughs> I'm not saying perfect, Michael. But that, that feeling of before a game, especially today, that last hour, I was getting antsy. Everything was short around the house. I was, I was there. And I, I just don't think I'm going to necessarily have at least that same level. Because as performances go, as, as the result goes, it, it's more than what we needed. It, it was a, a performance that we haven't seen for such a long time. The result was 100% what we needed, and what it does, it, ca- it maintains our chance of, of staying in the Premier League. There's still going to be some twists and turns to go. There's still a lot of football to be played. Um, some of our competitors have got interesting games that they could easily, just as easily lose as they could win. So I don't think we're by any stretch of the imagination out of the, out of the woods. However, what we have done is beaten Norwich and what we wanted to do today was somehow beat Newcastle and they've done it and and as you alluded to John I think the the fashion in which they did it is cause for not great celebration but for for optimism the way they turned it round similarly against Norwich it was a, a not a great watch against Norwich but they got the result done mainly by huffing and puffing I think more than than Norwich and having that one bit of quality today they had to turn it round turn round an abject performance in the first half and turn it into something a lot better and they did yeah that first half Jason we're not gonna, we're not going to talk about this too much I want to talk about the players the performances from individuals but the first half couldn't be any more different from the second half and well, the, the bad mood of feeling I had before the game really went a lot lower. It was. It was a bit ugly and shambolic at times, wasn't it? The goal kind of summed it up. All sort of rather statuesque defending at the corner. Fernandez, no one anywhere near him for the uh, for the flick on. And no one's gone with Dwight Gale. He's, he's tapping it in at the far post. And just the, the whole setup there was that disjoint again. There was a massive gap between where our midfielders were 
and where the front three were there was a, a, a numerous occasions where we've launched it forward Deeney's lost a, out to one of the centre backs and they're just knocking it 10 yards in front of them and there's a couple of orange shirts waiting there to pick the ball up uh, and when we did have possession the, the passing was slow it was sloppy we were giving the ball away too much again The uh, when we did get down the sides the, the final balls in were poor again they were I think at one point I saw Saar have about three chances to put a cross in and every single one was cleared by the first man again no Watford shirt anywhere anywhere near where the ball was being delivered to and just sort of disappointing all round he tried to get the ball in earlier noticeably I thought which mm. didn't necessarily work but it looked like well okay they've had a chat in the week and they're trying to make use of, of him getting down the side but you know it's, it's Watford's season in a nutshell really wasn't it that first half just little glimpses of what could be possible but then a long, long way away from actually making it happen. I think some of the passing in midfield was astonishingly bad, really, wasn't it? It's all going under-hit, misdirected, and anything that, that could go wrong did go wrong. And I think they were architect, architects of their own downfall with the goal, like you say, Jace, really, really poor defending. And But your hats off to Ben Foster, who could have saved Watford's Premier League season with a, you know, I think probably halfway through the, the second half um uh, Sam Maximan, the man who has been on everyone's lips, as uh, you know, we, we were hoping he wasn't going to play. Been part of my nightmares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, over the piece, Watford dealt with him pretty well. It's mm. easy to see that he's, he's a tricky customer. But yeah, he was through one on one, and I'm sure I wasn't alone. Hart mm. absolutely sinking. He's just waiting for the ball to to nestle, bearing in mind the form he's in. But Ben Foster came out quickly, was big, and made a great save. And yeah, luckily we got into to half time at, at, at 1-0 and interestingly mentioning at half time we had a little chat on our WhatsApp group as we, as we do and we talked about Saar again in the in the WhatsApp group and DCW rightly said look he's he's looking like a, your, a raw young man which is absolutely what he is and and I thought yeah you know it's unfair for him to and I heard myself the amount of time I've mentioned his name in the podcast over the past sort of two or three months mentioning his name as our outlet get it out to Saar and do this do that and I thought, yeah, we've been we've been harsh on him. Uh, it's it's unfair of us to expect a young, raw talent like him to effectively save Watford's uh, the entire team season. But lo and behold, in the second half, I thought he had an absolutely massive impact on on uh, on making that turnaround happen. Well, well, the, the players in that second half were. Well, we'll go through them uh, in, in, in this podcast. You know, the, the, the equaliser came after uh, 52 minutes, a blistering run from Kiko into the box, uh, got us a penalty, Troy Deeney scores it uh, and the, the 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 winning goal uh, came in the 82nd minute with again a crazy uh, more pressure from Watford uh, with Zar running into the box and again a penalty which Troy Deeney buried I mean he's the, he's a real talking point of this Jason neglecting the goals and the pressure for the goals what was he doing differently do you think was he doing enough in the game probably not to be honest he'll probably hold his hands up and say it probably wasn't his greatest performance this season it's been a struggle for him since the the restart we've learned that he has got a problem with his knee he was had an ice pack on at the end of the game when he was doing his interview um and it was a, a difficult performance from him um perhaps part of that is being able to link up with the other players i thought the first game back after the restart uh, when we started that game i thought him and decore looked like they were linking up really well whereas we were then talking about Decore being back and, and there being a disjoint between midfield and attack so that probably doesn't help him he's also relying on 
the other two front men getting in the box with him probably to, to help support him and that didn't seem to be happening in the first half happened more in the second so yeah not a great performance but what you have to say is what cojones he's got to step up and take both those penalties the first one I was worried the second one I was convinced what's he going to do I mean he, <laughs> what, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's had his go he's done his blast down the middle that we know he can do he's now got to think of something else to do or play it real deadpan and do the same again and just hope that Dubravka still, still dives out of the way of it and oh yeah that the man has cojones oh, it was such a, a, a release of tension yeah. when the ball hit the back of the net for and that second penalty as is customary these days when there's a penalty there is a long break between the actual take standing up and, and, and taking the penalty and the, and the decision actually being given for the second one in particular they were trying to get water a drink onto him and that sort of that broke down they couldn't get them so Troy Dini had sort of wandered halfway over to, to try and get a drink and I said, oh my god just stay there and all this stuff is going on and he knows as well as anyone that effectively he you know those two opportunities were Watford staying in the Premier League or at least having a good chance of staying in the Premier League he knew if he'd missed that first one that that could be Watford's season slipping away. And, you know, he's had criticism over the last month, and and rightly so, I'm sure he'd be the first one to admit it. But when he stood up, as supporters, you think, oh, you're always thinking the worst. But actually, the reality is, he doesn't very often let you down in those situations. You know that he's worked hard on being mentally right and physically right to to deal with a penalty. And both of them, I thought, were, were absolutely superb. And then after the first one, actually, I did notice... And this probably isn't any come as any surprise. Confidence is such a massive thing. Once he had that goal, he was so much more vocal on, on the pitch. So he was not just come on, do this. Do, concise instructions, barking out to all numerous different players, and it, just a different player after that after that first penalty. And it does just go to show how important goals are for strikers and particularly for someone like like Troy Deeney who feels I'm sure he wants to make an impact he wants his name on the score sheet he wants to feel like he's contributed in a in a tangible way so yeah well not his greatest performance but you can't skate away over the fact that he has nailed two of them probably possibly the most important penalties in in Watford's recent history there it's really really good the fact that he delivered them dispatched them with such a plum is um it's great, and I'm, I'm pleased for Troy. The criticism and you know, the many Watford fans I asked on Twitter yesterday, uh, what's on your mind, Watford fans? Just sort of get a, an idea about how everyone's feeling you know, the, the night before this game. And someone said, Troy Deeney starting. And then there was a bit of you know, conversation about it all, and you sort of want to go, what else are you going to do? You know, we, we've talked about his importance and how you're not going to change things. We talked about his, you know, he didn't contribute in terms of the overall match, and we've talked about what he can contribute. But he's not going to not be played if he can't. No, that's it. And and um, we've said it in the past that he's it's not just the striker we're replacing, it's the captain as well. Uh, Mike made the, the good point about him being more vocal. And that's what we want and need out of Troy. And is there anyone else out on the pitch that can take that role from him when he's not playing? I don't, I don't think we have a, a natural captain or leader out there other than Deeney. But that doesn't mean he can't be, he can't be droppable. If he's not performing, then you'd say he probably shouldn't be he shouldn't be in the side. If you want to do something different, perhaps it's Welbeck through the middle and someone else, maybe Pereira, maybe Pasetto, depending on the type of game on the left-hand side. And I'll, I'll be honest, there was a point in the first half where, just, just before half-time, I think Newcastle had a set-piece. He's got the ball out on the left-hand side. And I think he's let 
St. Maximan muscle him off the ball. And at that point, I was stuck with throwing my hands in the air. What, what is the point? What are you doing, Troy? You're, one of your strengths is your strength. How are you letting this guy just muscle you off the, off the ball in your own penalty area? He just, I was sort of ready to see him substitute at half time at that point. Why would you have him out of the game? And the only real reason I would not play him if him being there is a detriment to everybody else. But with Danny Welbeck being up there with him and not, you know, yes, the graphics say he's on the left, but he wasn't wholly on the left. He was coming into the middle quite a lot, especially in the second half. It, it, he wasn't, Deeney's performance wasn't a detriment to, to Welbeck, was it, Mike? No, I don't think so. I think probably Welbeck enjoys playing with, with someone like Troy Deeney who can, he did win some headers again today, I thought, Deeney. He worked, he worked hard and, um, I don't, he was, he did have an impact. But yeah, I think Danny Welbeck will, I assume, Enjoy playing with a with a with a player like Troy. I think before we do move on from Dean, it's important to say he did miss two pretty good chances. One in particular, which was probably as good as a penalty. He just mm. had the the ball at his feet and just had to have a swing in it. And I think perhaps if Danny Welbeck had had that that opportunity, he might have been a little bit defter, perhaps with the with the finish and looked to sort of find the gap where the keeper wasn't. But those, um, those several moments in that second half where the two of them were like strikers and they had the ball and they were turning and trying to make yeah. space and. I can know the last time we saw that as from, from yeah. any Watford striker. Yeah. So the two of them were there hustling and, and, and getting there. And Star as well. That, that as a front three, they do move around and they do switch flanks, and mm. it, it's starting to look a bit more dynamic again. And we did see as that second half progressed, big trouble for Newcastle. You know, ultimately the fact that they were two penalties tells their own story. They were beaten and therefore had to foul. So that tells you we create. We could have won the game four-one really and probably should have done. So we're starting to look a little bit dynamic, more dynamic, and, and Troy does play a part in that. Danny Welbeck plays a part in that, and as does Ismail Assar. I think they've all contributed, contributed up top there. Talking about the first half, Mike, you know, he wasn't getting some decent balls into the, the box. If they were getting in, they weren't getting past the first man, as Jason said. So what was different? How was he playing differently he just he, well, he definitely wasn't being the man out on the on the wing and let's just get it out to him he was doing so much more I think he just got his nut down and I think he he, he refused to to be browbeaten he refused to he refused to let it go and I think the the first goal came where it was for many that was fouled but I actually think it was Saar who won the ball and made the initial run to get to get Kiko yeah. underway and I just think it's very difficult for him as we said raw young um, first season in the Premier League it's going to be. It's going to take some time, but I think he just deep breath at half time. Thought, right, I'm not going to let the, let this get away from me, and and he just cracked on. He knows he he knows he's good enough because he just knows that he can knock a ball past a, a defender and disappear into the sunset. It's you can't be that quick and not understand it. But he also knows that I assume that he's got to not be so tough on himself. I think when things don't go his way, he's very. You can hear him yeah. shouting at himself. He's, he's t- tough on himself. I think presumably because he knows how much Watford are, are dependent on him, and I feel sorry for him to a degree with his delivery because in the last two, three, four, well, however many games, he's put great early balls in, and no one's attacked them near post. So they've probably talked about it in the week and thought, right, let's get an earlier ball in and let's, maybe it'll break to Kapoor or Decore or Hughes on the edge of the box and we might get something there. They've tried that and that hasn't come off either. So a tough, tough time for him in a misfiring side. But what I loved about his second half performance, and it was similar in, against Norwich actually, tenacity, which isn't something you necessarily would attribute to, to a player, to a winger, an out and out winger with pace burn. But I thought he showed guts and tenacity and I think that's what 
was a, a catalyst for, for Watford's second half performance. I think it was a brave, brave second half performance from Ismail Assar. And I think, you know, he was the, the, the pinnacle of it, but that was everybody. I think the most gutsy. Uh, was Will Hughes, who Jason did, I think, the best Will Hughes impression I've seen for, for quite a while. He was. He does what Will Hughes does best, and when he does what Will Hughes does best, he has a good game, doesn't he? Yeah. There's probably not much more to say than that. He was just that busy little terrier-like midfielder that, that he does get in, stuck into challenges. He picked up a yellow card late on, which I thought was a little bit harsh, but it was just a typical Will Hughes getting stuck in, working hard for the team, the sort of spirit and fight that you want to see when you're in a relegation battle. But early in the game, he wasn't as... It didn't seem as together and as, as composed, but that second half and after the first goal, he just seemed hmm. to be much more productive with, with what he was how, how he was playing. That's it, and we sort of talked about in the first half how sloppy we were on the ball, um, and he perhaps is as guilty as, as others in, in that regard. But yeah, he's we know he's got good feet, can play a good pass. Um and also we know he can he can get away from players with his quick feet as well. There was there was one point I think it was when we were two one up and you're expecting to get some pressure and the Watford of old restart would have just been hoofing the ball clear. He's picked up the ball just outside the area, turned away, no no fuss, all very calm taken the ball out, drawn the defender in, rolled his foot over the ball, come in, come on, come and tackle me, come and tackle me, go. He's gone. Players fouled him, won a free kick, a bit more time. Fantastic stuff. Man of the match, Mike? Comfortably. And I think probably man of the restart for, for Watford. He has shown that week in, week out, really. He's been the one who has been up there, certainly in terms of effort levels and certainly in terms of having, trying to have an impact on the game and yeah I think he's been he's been absolutely terrific and he was an absolute nightmare for Newcastle to, to deal with today all over the pitch brilliant absolutely sensational from Will Hughes loved watching him in action we talked about Saar down the uh, right hand side but Kiko yeah. uh, backing him up getting forward yeah. uh, especially for that first penalty you know we, we I think it was uh, Jacob uh, Coleshaw shared a, a stat about him against Norwich and how many tackles he'd done how many this he'd done you know the thing that we sort of talked about a bit was how he hadn't done that from from the beginning he had a so much much more complete performance I think today doing all the brilliant things Kiko can do you know defending and just bombing down that wing and and, and even weird of just because he had you, know, you would have thinking he would have been caught up with 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 St Maximum yeah, I thought it was a great performance for, from Kiko, going again right until the end. And when you saw the Newcastle team sheet today, you thought, right, they're not hanging around here. They are going for going for goals. There's a lot of lot of attacking threat on the pitch. You know, Dwight Gale, someone who hasn't necessarily lit the Premier League alike, but we know enough about how Watford defend and players like Dwight Gale to know that they're going to cause us issues. So we knew we were going to be in for a battle. So that defence has to be completely organised. Otherwise, they get bent out of shape. It doesn't mm. take much at all so they they had a, a real job to do defensively today and they had to stick to that structure and they had to work hard to stick to it but Kiko obviously also has this other role which is getting forward kick-starting these attacks down the flanks and I just thought he was tireless today in his defensive work and just how many times he cropped up in the in the opposition half bombing down the right making it difficult for for whoever was against him Danny Danny Rose ultimately I don't think he enjoyed his afternoon one one jot but spent more time on his backside 
um, complaining than he did making any decent tackles. That's that's for sure. And that's you know that's not me being picking at Danny Rose. That's that's a compliment to to Watford and that that right right hand side. I thought we had a lot of um, a lot of joy down there. And Kiko Firmino has to take a lot of credit for that. From minute one to to minute ninety, what was it five today? I thought he w- he was great. It was an all action, all effort performance. Yeah, just to add to that, I think his role in the team is now more important than ever mm. because opposition, they know about Sarnell, so yeah. they're going to double-team him. They're going to stop him or try and stop him from being able to affect the game. So it's important that Kiko gets up there and supports him and causes his own problems with that pace that he's got. Yeah, we talked about Will Hughes in midfield being his terrier greatness. Anyone else in second half, Jason, who had the bigger impact on that? that performance we talked about Zar we talked about Dini we talked about you know Kiko and, and Will who, who else had a, an impact in that second half I want to mention Abdoulaye Decore because we've talked about Etienne Capou and how he's been off the boil since the restart um, I think I've been equally unimpressed with Decore up until half time today I think he's been sloppy giving the ball away too much and lacking a, a, a bit of energy what we love about Decore with those sort of long gangly legs, he's very good at sort of bringing the ball out and stretching the play and taking the play from sort of defence to attack those transitions really well. And we've just not had enough of that from him. I thought second half, all of a sudden, he was he was getting involved and the enthusiasm was back. Mm, mm. The uh, yeah, the desire was back, <clears throat> and I think it sort of you can almost sum it up with the. Um, I mean, he was given as a, as a free kick against him, but there was he leapt for the ball. Uh, I'm not sure he was up against it, might have been Joe Linton, where he's just leapt for the ball. He's probably, I think his knees <laughs> reached head high. Yeah. An incredible <laughs> leap. And and for some reason, the ref gave it as a foul, but it was just that just sort of summed up the second half of him. All of a sudden, he was putting that extra 50% yeah. in, it seemed. Um and we got a performance out of him second half. Makes such a difference when he does it. That in that area over the halfway line and just before the the, the opposition penalty box, he can cause absolute nightmares. He's so difficult. He, once he breaks free, the he, the defence know he can shoot as well. Know he can pick a pass. And yeah, I just it just felt his energy levels, like I say, Jace, were up. And those little triangles started mm. appearing again in the, in the opposition half, which asked so many questions. Him, Kapu, Hughes, popping it around off off the flanks. It all started to look possible again and it's just been that has been missing um for far too long and decore is a catalyst for that he has to be he has to be ticking for for that to work he has to be that injury room and i think it's probably why will hughes has caught the eye so much he's he's never not industrious will hughes but he's caught the eye because i think the, his other midfield counterparts have been struggling for for whatever reason but yeah second half decore we need the re- we need second half to Corey for the rest of the season, please. Anyone what I sort of want to touch on? Uh, we've already touched on Foster and his, his antics, but Dawson particularly just had a good Dawson, good head at the back, mm. which is something we've sort of cried out for, I think, and really seemed in control when soaking up the pressure, Jace. Yeah, there was one moment in the second half, I think it was, where oh, I can't remember who it was from Newcastle. So it seemed to skip past him. Then he got back, made an excellent tackle. And I think if we're going to mention Dawson, we should mention, Cap- mention Capacelli as well. I think sometimes with defenders, you don't want to hear them spoken about too much. And we didn't hit too much about them because... All in all, they were they were fairly comfortable. I think we had those moments in the first half. Obviously, conceded the goal. Um, second half, I don't think there were any real moments of panic, were there? Going back to the Norwich game when they had that chance to equalise, we rode our luck there. I 
didn't feel that we were under any pressure, particularly from the point we've gone two one up, and the most of injury time was spent in their half and not in not in our half, and it was all quite comfortable for the uh, for the centre backs today. The other thing I think, Mike, compared to the Norwich game, we were really Norwich were coming at us. At the end, towards the end of that game, they were fighting with something. Newcastle weren't, and maybe they, didn't, they, they tried, but they weren't really trying, were they? Well, I think you know they made a number of substitutions and they changed their mind on a, on a couple of substitutions in the, in that second half. So, um, you know, Steve Bruce was out there um, barking instructions. It's no wonder he looks puffed out at the, when he does his post-match interviews. <laughs> him out and shouting, he does. I did think it was funny. He was bitterly complaining about the penalty and I thought God, if you're complaining about that some of the free kicks that your side have won earlier in the game and you're complaining about that is a bit bit odd and I was surprised actually that Newcastle were like that there are a lot of going do down you, do you think sorry to interrupt Mike but you, do you wonder if that's because that was his decision to is this the second penalty yeah I guess both oh, both. but certainly the second one he'd obviously made the decision to take Danny Rose off and switch Manquillo over mm. to that side yeah and it was and it was he that gave away the penalty. He was already on a yellow card, um, so I think Saar was always going to have a run at him at every opportunity. That's yeah. what he did, yeah. and led to the penalty. But I don't, I don't think you know Newcastle were high on confidence. I thought they looked by far and away the better side. I, you know, at half time I was I was effectively right in the post mortem in my head. What am we going to talk about in the podcast? How am I going to talk about it without being too too down in the dumps for the umpteenth row the week in a row? They it just they felt like a much better side. They did play better than us. They looked better side, or just, or just that much better more organised. Better side, better, better organised, more, more threatening players. But we flipped that on its head, and I think, you know, it's easy to say that Newcastle have got their flip flops on. I don't think that's necessarily the case. They do. They'll, they'll have won one won one. There was, there is an element of it that you think, well, they felt this is probably a little bit too hard because they were getting run ragged. Run ragged is probably pushing it a little bit. Stun signing, <laughs> Watford have won, and all of a sudden we're running teams ragged. Not quite like that, but they were... Watford had the upper hand pretty comfortably, didn't they? And you've got Will Hughes being an absolute nuisance. Decore, as we've spoken about, being an absolute nuisance. Not fun to play against. Defenders have got pace up against them. Um, so I just think Watford did the job in turning it round, getting ahead... And let's give them a, a bit of credit. I think they managed the game pretty well against Norwich. I think, apart from that, well, they should have equalised Norwich. But apart from that, they actually managed the game pretty well. Norwich weren't weren't great, and Watford were much much better at, at managing the game again today. They've lift, they've raised it a notch, more than a notch, I'd say. And the way they managed the game was hugely impressive actually because we've seen it all too often that you give it, you give the ball away you track back and then you have to make a foul halfway through the, the, the half and there's a free kick coming into the box none of that this afternoon it was very much like Jace was, was describing earlier with Will Hughes and Dawson when they got the ball they decided what they were going to do with it they had the confidence in themselves to play it around and they won a series of throw-ins over them on the far side in front of the Sorrelton John and think they've got this They've absolutely got this. And I, I I understand your point, John, about Newcastle, but I'm going to take the opportunity to give Watford credit for turning it round and seeing it out competently, which <laughs> isn't often something you, you hear, um, level, an accusation you hear levelled at Watford. They were competent. Credit to Andre Gray as well when he came on. It, we've been critical of his touch and his impact. He didn't do much, but what he did do, he held the ball up when it came near him, which was his job. 2-1 up with 5, 6, 7, 8 minutes to go make sure the ball sticks and he did just that he was neat, compact, busy and strong and it was only a little cameo but it all all bled into it and the right substitution I criticised um, Pearson for bringing Gray on the other week because he wasn't the, the right man to bring on 
Whereas today, Newcastle then should be pushing on, looking for an equaliser. Gray's exactly the man to put on the shoulder of the defenders, give them something to think about, to try and get behind them. Watford are on 34.6, currently clear of the drop zone. Is it enough? I think we're going to need something from somewhere. I think another point. I just do not see Bournemouth and Villa continuing to lose week after week after week. They've got some odd games coming up that could be 3-0 wins or 3-0 losses. I think Bournemouth look like they've got a bit of attacking intent and I think they'll be going for it because they'll, they'll now there'll be a bit of a they know they have to so I don't think we're safe I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just I'm just sort of thinking this through in my head if this was the other way round if we were six points behind mm. having been on a, a really bad run like oh, Bournemouth yeah. and Villa have been yeah, Mike, Mike. Mike would be sitting yeah, there going so where would. are we going to get six points from yeah, there's well, no <laughs> way we're going to get six <laughs> points and be able to catch up we're done we're toast we're in the championship next season I had carry a, on Mike I had us relegated at half time I'm not going to deny I was convinced <laughs> I thought that was it a podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end but anyway Mike there are some other teams to play some games of football we'll worry about them if and when it's needed but Watford's next game is away at the London Stadium where Watford will be taking on West Ham United Uh, we got in touch with Shane Thomas the West Ham correspondent for The Athletic uh, to have a chat to him ahead of Watford visiting you can check out all Shane's work and all the other writing of The Athletic for 30 days absolutely free by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end West Ham today have won 4-0 away at Norwich Mike spoke to Rashane before that game against Norwich to find out what chances the Hornets have on Friday night. So, Rashane, thank you so much for joining us. I think, I guess, like Watford, West Ham have had a bit of an indifferent restart since uh, since the Premier League got underway again. But it feels like, looking at their fixtures, certainly they've probably done enough. But what's the what's the feeling like at West Ham at the moment? I actually don't think they've done enough yet, you know. <laughs> I mean, the feeling right now is like, Obviously, great to get the win against Chelsea last last week. Big win, a vital point in the season as well to get some sort of momentum. But it just feels like we sort of lack an opportunity to miss in terms of to, to build on from it. Because obviously, they drew against Newcastle, lost against Burnley. And on paper, everyone everyone thought, you know, the games against Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich and Watford, all winnable fixtures on paper. But when you think about it, West Ham tend to struggle against teams like the Burnleys or the Norwich or the Watfords. At some point down the line, you would have thought they're going to they're going to make it difficult one way or another. <laughs> and we've seen it now; they made it difficult in the win. Sorry, in defeat against Burnley, had so many chances to score, kept scoring in chances, and that's been the regular theme this season for West Ham, having so many great chances, but they can't put it in the back of the net. It's interesting you mentioned that they, the struggle against the teams, you know, like us. They're probably the, the lesser teams, if you like. I, I don't mind us being called that. It is what we are, certainly this year. But would you say West Ham approached the games differently again? Because the, the result against Chelsea was, it's probably fully deserved, wasn't it? After they were unlucky to have the, the, the goal ruled out by VAR and they, they fought back and got that, that late win. And then, like you say, Newcastle and Burnley, they, they struggled a little bit. So do they, do they approach the games differently? Would they, do they set up differently against the, the better teams than they do those, those down the bottom? They pretty much set up the same, to be fair. I mean, for what, what I gather from watching the team over the past year and obviously previous years as well, I think it's a mentality thing. Mm. It's like in the big games against the United, the Chelsea, the Arsenal, but, you know, they're thriving that sort of occasion thinking, yeah, we're, we're on the deck underdog rather we're coming up against the big teams we can do well we can cause an upset and against the lesser teams as you like it's like they thought they think they can win that's really been my biggest takeaway this season you know 
lost against Newcastle in a, in a return fixture, the defeat against Burnley, for example, games you look at you thinking, surely you can get some points from that. And honestly, I don't, I don't remember previewing Watford, but there's, there's games against uh, Norwich coming up as well, and that's not looking promising considering West Ham's record against <laughs> them too. So it's definitely comes down to mentality because, as I mentioned, the players are up for it in the big games, but against the lesser teams, for whatever reason, they feel like we can sort of like, you know, win it, win it, it comfortably. Well, one one of the players that's come back, Rashane, is uh, is obviously Haller. He's come back from um, from injury. How important is is he coming back? And bearing in mind what what you said, will he be sort of raring to go? Will he sort of perhaps raise them up a little bit against in these in these remaining games? Because he's sort of making up for a bit of lost time and keen keen to make his mark. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, he'll be raring to go and and out to prove a point because he's been disappointing this season considering the amount of money West Ham spent mm. on him. Forty five million, only scored seven goals this season. And, you know, when he came on against um, Burnley, he had a great chance within a couple of seconds of coming on and he missed. And it just pretty much summed up his on West Ham season. In fairness, he's been disappointed in my opinion. He could do a lot more. He could be more creative, be more of a bully for defenders. And just from watching him over the past uh, couple of months, or the past season rather, every time I watch him I feel like, have you given the uh, defence a tough time? Mm. Have they walked to a feeling like, oh, it's been a challenge Halep, um, um, marking the alley today? I, I don't really get that impression half the time. I mean, he had a great game against uh, Watford in a, in a return fixture. If we reflect on the season as a whole, he's been very frustrating and hasn't been good in terms of his uh, productive on a, on a creative end. Well, from a Watford point of view, that's encouraging to hear. Although getting two, <laughs> two of his seven goals against against the season isn't isn't ideal. You mentioned him not necessarily giving defences enough of a hard time, and Watford Watford's defence tends to get themselves in enough of a, a pickle as it is. But someone who definitely will give them a, a hard time is is Antonio. I think everyone yeah. now is is aware of what he's capable of when uh, when his mind's put to it. So. He's obviously going to be a, a, a threat up top as well. Are they the, Haller and Antonio, are they the big names that, that Watford and, and their supporters ought to be looking at? Definitely Antonio. Obviously, he's not clinical in front of goal, but his work rates just are oh, brilliant. I mean, yeah. every match he plays, he just works his socks off, always puts his order for the team. So he's definitely one player uh, Watford fans should be aware of. And most certainly Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen's been great since he's arrived uh, in January from a uh, whole city. Oh, it's been great in terms of his creativity, linking up with our teammates, uh, has pace, so that's always a threat for the uh, defenders. And looking at that, I feel like he's definitely one Watford's uh, fans should look out for. And also, just in the heart of midfield in terms of like breaking up play, interceptions, tackling, Declan Rice. Declan Rice doesn't play lower than a 7 out of 10. Mm. Most weekends, he's that good. So he's definitely one Watford fans should look out for. If you guys are on a counter attack, be sure that Declan Rice will break him up in no time. Good, right? We'll let we'll let them know. So, but in terms of if we're gonna we're gonna pull you over to our side for a minute now, Rashane, you're gonna be yeah. sort of our our spy in the West Ham camp. If you were gonna give Nigel Pearson a few hints and tricks as to as to how you think Watford might be able to get West get at West Ham in what it, it will will be a crucial game for Watford, regardless. I think not. You know, obviously we're speaking before West Ham have played played Norwich. That could see you guys clear. But yeah. if you were to give Nigel Pearson two or three little nuggets, little hints, or little ideas as as to how how best do you think Watford could could get at West Ham? What do you think you'd say? Well, after I give these nuggets, I'm expecting a call from Nigel for a coaching role at Watford, that's for sure. So, <laughs> I definitely target the fullback areas. Fredericks and Cresswell, I mean, they're decent players, but they're not really uh, at the elite level. They haven't mistaken them. 
Frederick's first touch isn't particularly great. Chris Will's been a great servant for West Ham, but he's he's not really uh he's he's a li- he's a liability in defence now. I mean he was at fault for the uh, for Jay Rodriguez's goal, for Burnley's goal when mm. he scored for for Burnley of course and yeah, definitely target the full back areas. You guys have pace, so I fucking you could uh, definitely exploit that. Definitely get a few corners or set pieces. West Ham have conceded eight goals from set pieces since January, wow. the most by any Premier League club. So that's another area which you guys can look to exploit. You have like players like Troy Deeney who could be a nuisance in the box, and Troy Deeney always gives defenders a tough time as well. So players like Deeney can uh, have, a, have a great, uh, well, can use that to his advantage. So I say they're the two areas which West Ham have been very weak at this season that I reckon Watford could try and exploit. So since the restart, you've probably paid a little bit more attention to to Watford, seeing as these games have been coming thick and fast, and we're we're in the midst of this relegation battle. But what have you made of of Watford so far this season, from what you've been able to pick up? Similar to West Ham, I've been a bit disappointed with Watford. Mm. You know, as a team, you know, everyone has a sort of second team we look out for, and. To be in fairness, my second team sort of what through look out for them and how they're doing. Big fan of Troy Deeney and, and what he's done for for the club and pretty much the legend really. Yeah. So and also Andre Gray, I like Andre Gray as well. He sort of struggles since he's been at the club. And just thinking about it, Andre Gray, Danny Welbeck, Troy Deeney. On paper, you're thinking at least they can score a combined total 15 goals for the season, and they haven't even scored 10 goals this season combined. So that's also uh, that's very bad. <laughs> you think about it. <laughs> so yeah, they've been very disappointing. Yeah, haven't been able to score much. Nigel Pearson had a good uh, good impact when he first arrived, but yeah, struggled recently to have that sort of cohesion in, uh, in the team. So, yeah, definitely been frustrated with what's performance is similar to West Ham. It sounds like um, both defences are a little bit wobbly, so there may <laughs> well be goals aplenty at, at the London Stadium. Rashane, you've been very positive about Watford, about Watford, so I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you for a uh, for a prediction. We'll, we'll let you off that. But I did want to, before we let you go, just ask you about um, Jeremy Ngakia. The, the last we well, certainly the last I, I read about um, he wanted a, away from West Ham he was he was someone that West Ham had relatively high hopes for and Watford were one of the teams that were mentioned as potentially being interested and of course it's a, a path well travelled for, for youngsters Watford signing um, Domingos Kino a, a couple of years ago for, for a million pounds which seems like a an incredible deal really for, for Watford it has to be said but what can you tell us about Jeremy Ngakia and, and whether he'd be a decent signing for Watford Jeremy Ngakia is very good as player who has a, a high ceiling uh, great tra- defending great attracting players also good in the air as well the only thing I'll probably say he could work on is, is like providing more assists perhaps better decision making in the final third ball in all I mean for players I think he's 19 or 20 so very young and got plenty more development in his game so definitely someone who adjusted well when he was given a first team debut by Moyes against Liverpool so you definitely want to look out for and just observing Watford over the past few games. I think I'm right in saying we, the right back is an area they're quite weak at. I think I'm saying right in saying Nigel's played Adrian Mariapa at right mm, back. Mm. I think Kiko is like, is, like, is it Kiko? Yeah, 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 for many, yeah, yeah, Kiko for yeah, many. Yeah, Kiko as well, I mean. So you're looking at you thinking, yeah, they could do, <laughs> they could do a recognised right back. So he would be a great signing for Watford. But to be honest, I, I reckon he'll go abroad. I reckon Ngeki will go abroad. So, but if you are able to get him, then you definitely have a good play on your hands. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Jason, West Ham away. They're on exactly the same number number of points as us. It's going to be a draw. It's going to be fine. We could even win it. They're not that. They're not that much better than us. They're no better than us because they're on 34 points and we're on 34 points. Yeah, do you think we'll sort of play out a nice friendly uh, nil nil? 
yeah. I think as uh, <laughs> Colin alluded to in our WhatsApp group, that you never know. That'd be nice. I'd take that. I've, I've spent the week worrying about ASM for Newcastle. Now I'm worrying about Mikel Antonio because he's always caused us problems, even when he had that season at Forest was uh, was a thorn in our side. Just hope that he's tired himself out after his four goal spree today. Mike, it's going to be uh, a fun Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Friday, so that's that's something. Well, you know, we've had some decent decent results at the at the London Stadium, haven't we? I don't think it holds any fear fears for many of this this Watford side. So, look, we've done us we've we've got ourselves manoeuvred ourselves into a much better position than than we probably thought was was possible. Certainly, you know, thinking back to post Southampton, we were very down, wondering where the the goals and the wins were going to come from. We've got these two massive wins that we've had highlighted for a long long time we've got them in the book now we go to to West Ham with a real opportunity to be safe win it and we're safe it's as it's as simple as that which is considering where 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 Watford are Kevin Affleck tweeted out a picture of the the league table just before Watford played Man United again they obviously went on to win nine points they had Watford had at the bottom of the at the bottom of the table um, adrift at the bottom, adrift from safety by quite some margin. So to have manoeuvred themselves into this position is good. Wonderful that we've got a chance on a Friday night to, to put it to bed. It's going to be difficult. Um, West Ham have, have looked all right since the um, since the uh, since the, the return to football. And as Rashane said, there there's, there's some players worth worrying about. Um, Watford will have to be on their metal. But if we can have second half Watford for the entire game at the London Stadium. We've got to go in uh, feeling positive and, and optimistic, which I know are two words that don't necessarily go with, um, in conjunction with me. But yeah, that's it. We've got we've, it's in our own hands. Massive opportunity. Um, we'll try and enjoy it on on Friday, and hopefully Friday night night we really can enjoy it. We'll see what happens on Friday at the London Stadium, and we really hope that you have a much calmer week. Now Watford are on thirty four points and only a tiny tiny bit away from being safe. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. And thank you, Michael. Still making me nervous, John, saying how close we are to safety. uh, Yes, you're welcome. I'm exhausted, but happy. Thank you, Watford. Thank you, everyone. Come on, you oin!